I was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. All <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> All right. Um, um, as I said, we are switching our um, Bible translation. Okay, switching our Bible translation from New King James to the New Revised Standard Version. Okay, that's the copy that we j- uh, just gave out. So, um, um, again, uh, we're we're I'm not switching it as uh, someone believes that uh, to to have a, a more dumbed down version. Okay, <laughs> okay, um, uh, but uh, but again. Um, the new revised standard, I think, is the most up-to-date, um, you know, so it's like the, you know, King King James, New King James, um, the RSV, and the NRSV, okay? So so as they are, um, it's, it's basically the same format. So if you actually take out your New King James version and look at them side by side, you're going to be like, why are we switching? It's the exact same, <laughs> same wording, okay? Um, so there's not that much of a difference, but I do think that, that that you know they have updated the grammar just a little bit to help with um you know with understanding so i um so that's why i'm switching to it i think it'll be easier uh a little bit easier in some some passages um to understand what paul is is really getting at or what you know what the author is really getting at okay so um if you go to the table of contents i was looking at this the um last night and um and i'm like what is going on with this table of contents? Okay, so <laughs> so um, just ignore where it says first kingdom, second kingdom, third kingdom, fourth kingdom. Okay, like this is not like the Apocrypha. Okay, uh, just the Septuagint. I think they are including some of the Greek names, like a transliteration of the Greek names for some of the Bible, for, for some of the books. Okay, but I, I have not given you all the Apocrypha. I'm not sneaking the Apocrypha you know, in, in on you all. Okay. So just so you uh, know that. All right. Acts chapter six, Acts chapter six. Today you can pick whichever version you want to read it in, (laughs) but I'll be reading from the new revised standard. I'll give you all some extra time to find it. (laughs) All right, Acts chapter 6. I'm going to use the subject for Acts chapter 6, how to grow your church. And um, I'm going to take these... uh, uh, next two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday, to look at these passages on deacons uh, because we have been working with a group of people um, to become deacons. And in January, I want us to uh, vote on, on, on accepting them as deacons. Of course, you know that, that um, you know, uh, in our bylaws that I can't make a person a deacon or make a person a, a minister that is a function of the church in my opinion so you all have to vote on on uh, making p- i'm giving people their positions here so 
um, um, going over these passages so that we can understand what the, the Bible says is the role and function of deacons so that in January uh, we will be prepared uh, to vote on this at our uh, church meeting, uh, even if we have to do that meeting by Zoom. All right. So <laughs> okay. All right. Acts chapter six, how to grow your church. Verse one. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to, to this task, while we for our part will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Father, we thank you today for allowing us this opportunity to come before you and to be able to read your word. I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding um, concerning your word right now uh, as we prepare uh, this process uh, for our own church as well. We ask, I ask that you would help us to see um, how prioritizing the word is the method that you have used to grow your church. And we ask that you would show us how to apply this in our, our lives as well. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We all know the story of the early church starting in the book of Acts. We see um, how the, the church began on the day of Pentecost where they met together uh, to, to pray because Jesus told them to go and wait until they received the Spirit. And he told them that they would receive the Spirit and they would be empowered to be his witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so they were waiting in the upper room, and on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak with tongues, and, and they went out into the streets, and Peter preached, and 3,000 people were saved that day. And uh, you know the stories up through um, chapter 5, how the, the church continued to grow and continued to spread. And uh, you know of Acts chapter 6, I mean, chapter 5, I'm sorry, where we're <laughs> sad to say that uh, a couple decided to lie to Peter. And Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit about your offering? And then they died. And even in that, even in the death of Ananias and Sapphira, the word of God continued to spread and the church continued to grow. Now, when we get to chapter six, what we see is something that, you know, we as our church know as well, that when a church starts growing, there is always going to be conflict. When a church is growing, 
there is always going to be a conflict. We see this throughout the book of Acts. We know that from personal experience. But here I want us to look at uh, a, a particular conflict in the church, in the early church, and the solution that they uh, used in order to fix that solution, um, that, that problem. And in fixing the problem, the last verse says that the word of God continued to spread and the number of disciples were multiplied. So much so that even the opponents of Christianity became obedient to the faith. Now, uh, here, I want us to see in verse 1, this conflict. It says, Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Now, I've heard this passage preached uh, a number of times, and, and, and most recently when I have heard this passage um, preached, um, everyone uh, is harping on, I guess because of the current events, uh, about racism. And so this is, this is a passage about racism in the church. That is not true. Both groups here are Jews, <laughs> okay? The Hebrews were Jews born inside of Palestine, so inside of Israel, okay? Um, and the Hellenists were probably Jews that were born outside in the dispersion, okay? So you know that, that, um, that of course, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar came and dispersed the, um, all the people around, okay, there were some people who were um, Jews uh, um, that came back to the land, okay, when Cyrus allowed the Jews to come back. But there were Jews who remained in Babylon and throughout the empire. So those inside of, 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 Jude, um, of Palestine itself, we called them the Hebrew um, Jews, right, because they continued to live under Jewish culture. And those who were in the dispersion, right, those who lived outside of Palestine, they took on Greek culture. So we called them Hellenists, okay? Um, Hellenists just means Greek-speaking or Greek culture, okay? So these were all Jews. There were Jews who lived according to Jewish culture, and there were Jews who lived according to Greek culture, and because you had these two cultures, right, at odds with one another, it caused conflict in the church. Now, these widows were in dire straits. Probably what's most likely is the scenario is that the Jews who lived outside of Palestine, because uh, uh, Jerusalem and the temple was, was such um, uh, 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 an ideal in their hearts, before they died, they wanted to go back to Jerusalem so that they could be buried there. And so at the end of life, they would move their families back to Jerusalem. And then what often happens is the husband would die. And because they lived in a culture where the wife did not work, she depended on her, her husband and family to take care of her, because they had no ties to Jerusalem, because they lived outside of Jerusalem all of their lives, when the husband died, she had no way of taking care of herself. So she's in a foreign country, 
right? Even though she's a Jew, right? Jerusalem, um, Palestine is foreign to her because she lived in a, outside of Palestine. She's in a foreign country with no family, no one to take care of her, and she's left to just get what people give her. Now, these groups of people have become Christians, and so they do what all of us would tend to do in this situation. We turn to our church. They turn to the church, and they turn to the church, and the church begins to hand out a daily distribution of food. They're taking care of the widows. They're taking care of the widows, the poor, and the orphans like the Old Testament teaches them. Now, the only problem is that when the, these Hellenist Jews turn to the church, the church is being run by, or the distribution of the food is being run by the Hebrews. And because they feel that they are suspect because they have adopted the culture, and, and to us, we may be like, this is kind of foreign. No, it's not really that foreign. It, just think about the 2016 election and the 2020 election. Okay. And how many people, we all love the Lord, but you better not talk about politics. Who would you vote for or we can't talk to you? Okay. Okay. So, so we have this, 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 this conflict, even though we're all Christians, one has adopted Jewish culture, another has adopted Greek culture, and because of this, there's conflict. And when it's time to pass out the food, the Hellenists are realizing we're not getting the same amount of food that the Hebrew Christians are getting. So imagine... You're going out to get your, your, your pandemic bag of food. And you realize, why am I getting half the food that they're getting? And so they begin to complain. And as usual, everybody wants to complain to the pastor. Pastor, why only got four canned goods and they got eight canned goods? That's not fair. You got to do something about this. Okay. And, and, and the conflict became so great that the apostles had to get involved. They had to act. Now, what I want us to see next here is after they address, uh, um, after this conflict is brought to the attention of the apostles, the apostles have to do something. Okay? People need to eat. It's not like you can't say, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Just stop, you know, stop complaining. This was going to destroy the unity of the church. So the apostles had to do something. They had choices. They could not get involved and let the people work it out themselves and destroy the church that was just starting to grow. Number two, they could themselves stop studying the word and get out and say, okay, you get one can good, you get one can good, okay. You get a can of peas, you get a can of peas, you get a can of peas. You get some corn, you get some corn, okay? <laughs> they they, they could have got out themselves and served the tables. Third option, they could themselves prioritize spending time in the Word and allow someone else to go out and count out the canned goods. 
what we see here, the apostles took the third option. They recognized that temporal needs are important, but that a pastor must give priority to the word of God. Look at verses two through four. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Verse four, while we for our part will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. The people need to be served. We're going to serve the word. So, again, temporal needs are important, but a pastor must give priority to the word of God. Now, what we see here is that people have temporal needs and people have spiritual needs. And these needs are not necessarily at odds with one another. And we don't necessarily have to say that one need is more important than the other need okay we may argue that that the spiritual need is is more important but let me tell you if i give you the word of god and i do not feed you you're still going to die okay so so in practice both of these needs are are equal okay but although these needs are in practice equal the question is really which of these needs should be the priority of the pastor? Which of these needs should be the priority of the pastor? Should it be taking care of people's temporal needs? Or should it be spending time in the word to take care of their spiritual needs? And the, the, the apostles answered this. They said, it is not right for us to leave the word of God and wait on tables. The majority of the pastor's time, and I say majority because, of course, pastors should be involved in, in, in helping with all of these needs. But the majority of a pastor's time should not be spent on passing out canned goods. Okay, And we can fill in the blank with 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 any with anything i'm there okay um i know i get a i get in uh, i got into trouble uh maybe about a year or two ago we was having a conversation and um somebody told me they're like wow i could never come to your church i'm like well why is that and they said because because you don't you ain't out on uh, out on, on on the corners um screaming about racism enough and, and all of the injustices going on in the world i said maybe that's a deacon's job not sounds like a temporal need now it's not my job my, my job is to spend time in the word of God and prayer and as I work my way through the scriptures I don't have to yell at my people about injustices because if I spend my time exegeting the text my people know how to love people They, they, they know how to live a holy lifestyle because holiness, if you look in the text, the way the word of holiness is used throughout the Old Testament is talking about social justice. So if you just preach the text, you ain't got to keep screaming about, about stuff on, on, on the corner. 
Because when the people hear the word of God and learn the word of God, they will live a social justice lifestyle. But because everybody's out screaming out about social justice and they're not including the word, y'all not getting very far. Maybe you should go talk to the deacons. That conversation didn't last very long. A pastor must prioritize his time around the word of God and prayer. So the solution that the apostles came up with is to create a group of qualified people that everyone trusts that can meet the temporal needs of the people so the pastor can focus on the spiritual needs of the people. Notice here in verse 5, I'm sorry, in verse 3, he says, Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. Notice what the, um, what the apostles did. They did not say that the distribution of food or racism or injustice or any of those things is not that important. That's not what they said. They said all of these things are important. The question is, who should, pri be, um, should prioritize their time to handle those things? We will give our attention to the word of God and prayer. But there is another group of people that needs to take on this role of handling all of those temporal needs. So, again, we have two classes of ministers because the word minister just means servant. OK, we have two classes of ministers. We have servants of the word and we have servants of the table. Servants who will serve the word and servants who will serve people's temporal needs. You see that. And the church needs both. The church needs someone who spends their time in the word of God and prayer, hearing from God so that we can direct the people spiritually. And they also need someone who spends time with the people taking care of their physical needs. Now, in theory, this sounds good. Okay, In theory. In, in theory, this sounds good. In practice, uh, I don't know if it always works out. Okay? So here in the text, we see that the people accepted this division of labor. Notice in verse 5, it says, What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte um, of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the apostles said, we're not going to be the ones serving tables. You can pick out seven people as long as they meet this qualification, and we will have them take care of this responsibility. And guess what? The apostles didn't hear people complain, well, the pastor ain't come visit me. <laughs> I know I know y'all came, but I, I, I need to hear from the pastor. 
Yeah. <laughs> I need to. The pastor didn't show up to pass out the food this time. I wonder what he doing. He only worked two days a week anyway. <laughs> I'm just telling you all the stuff people actually say to me. He's like, what you be doing all week? I'm like, you only work on Wednesdays and Sundays. I'm like, yeah, pretty much, I guess. the people accepted the division of labor they recognized that both needs were important and that they had to to recognize the authority of both groups right because both of these groups are equally important you need people who are spending time in the word of God and prayer right, to instruct you on what God desires and what God wants. And you need people who are able to take care of your physical needs. And listen, look at the result. What is the result of freeing up the pastor to be able to spend time in the word of God and prayer and not to primarily Now, I say primarily because, again, we see elders doing visitation of the sick and things like that elsewhere in Scripture. Right. Um, James chapter five. Right. If anyone who is sick among you call for the elders. Right. Um, So so it's it's not that that elders do not do uh, temporal things. It's just that it is not the main thing that they do. Okay. What is the result? What is the result of this division of labor? Where the, when, the, when the pastors are able to focus on the word of God and prayer and that another group is taking care of the temporal needs of the church. Look at what happens. Verse 7. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, when I was thinking about this, I, I, I pictured the church here uh, like a bird. Okay. And, and I've been seeing birds all week long, right? I mean, like, I've, I've seen thousands of birds all whew, heading south for the winter. Okay. And, and, and you notice, in, in order for them to fly so far, so fast, right, they have, both of their wings have to work properly, right? We've all seen birds with a broken wing, right? They, they, they just lay on the ground and they, they flap they, the one that works and, and they sometimes just spin in a circle and go nowhere. You can have a church that just flapping one wing and spinning around in a circle going nowhere. Well, you can have a church that, it, that has two healthy wings that's able to fly and be productive and do everything that, that a church is designed to do, right? And, and, and this is what's happening here. When, when you have both wings functioning, when you have a group of people that is meeting the physical needs of the people and a group of people who are spending time in the word of God and prayer, the result is your church will grow. The word of God increased, right? The, the, the gospel continued to spread. People were being saved. It says that the disciples greatly multiplied. And even the priest, the people who were most opposed to the church, 
they became obedient to the faith. The role of deacons, now of course the word, you know, Acts chapter 6, uh, most people do not see deacons in Acts chapter 6, and I, I would agree the word, the word is, is not there. Um, however, I think that this is, is, is at least a, a passage that is speaking to the, to the forerunners of deacons, right? Of course, if you look at timeline, like the, the, the full position of deacons came, you know, maybe a decade or so later. But again, this is the, the, the first instance of the, the church putting forth people who will take care of the temporal needs of the people. And this role is extremely important. It is so vital for the church to have physical needs taken care of. Because okay. um, again, if, if we continue to give you the word and pray for you, but we don't take care of your physical needs, you will not flourish the way you have been designed. Okay. You need both of these things working properly in your life. Now, what, how does that apply here for the upper room? It applies here because just like in the early church, right, um, and in, in all churches, you know, one person cannot do everything, right? Um, and, and, and what happens is if the apostles had taken the time away from the word to spend on counting out the number of canned goods each person was getting, right, right, there was going to be a bottleneck, right? Things would slow down a lot in the church. They would have not been able to continue to expand and grow. And so, and so by creating this role, it, 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 it stopped this bottleneck that would have occurred because you have, you're able to now focus on the needs of people and focus on spiritual needs so that people can flourish, the gospel can spread, the church can grow. And this is what we need here at our church as well. Okay. Um, 12 years is a long time for one person to, to do all of the counseling, all of the visitation, all of the everything else. Okay. And so for our church, we are um, working on putting people in place that can can share the responsibility of ministering to the people, right, so that the word of God can continue to spread and people can still be taken care of. Amen. And when we do this, of course, taking on these roles um, does come with a, a, a level of, you know, authority and, and respect. Um, but it must also um, come with people who are I'm trying to see how to say this. Uh, I'll go back to what I said. Can accept the division of labor. Okay. Respectfully accept the division of labor. Okay. So that, again, the main thing can stay the main thing. That the word of God, the gospel, can remain the, the, the priority and people's needs can be met. Everybody with me? All right. Um, so I'm, I'm finished. I'm giving y'all a couple minutes back because I know it took some extra time from y'all last week. 
but <laughs> okay. Um, but again, I want us to uh, keep in mind this idea um, concerning deacons. Next Sunday, we're going to look at First Timothy. Let me get the right verses. Chapter three, verses eight through thirteen. First Timothy chapter three, verses eight through thirteen. Of course, I'll probably have to bring in the the, the previous section on the qualifications for bishops, um, but we're going to spend our time, um, most of our time, dealing with the section on the qualifications for deacons okay and and we will um wrap that up okay so again i wanted to focus on we could have looked at other passages but i think these are the two primary passages uh in scripture on the role of deacons and um, i wanted us to take the some time out before we uh get into the christmas and first corinthians all right Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us this opportunity to look at your word. We ask now, Lord, that you would continue to uh, work in and through the upper room. As we are planning this time to set aside uh, some to become deacons or as some churches will call deaconesses, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to uh, work in our church, Lord. We want the gospel uh, to continue to reverberate in our hearts and minds and even uh, to, to continue to reach those outside of our church as well. We ask now, Lord, that as you uh, set aside this group, Lord, that you would be able to use them to continue to meet the needs of, of those in the upper room. Lord, help us to see that uh, all of our needs are, are important. But we have to have different people prioritizing different needs. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless this group, give them wisdom, knowledge, understanding. I pray that you would give them grace and favor with those who are, are in the upper room and that this church will continue to flourish and grow. We thank you now for all these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.